Ashley Brock from Diane Palmer's book, Protector, Chapter 13. What do you mean? You lost them. El Jefe raged at his man. The man wins. They were going to the sheriff's office. He called me. He indicated Lassner and said to follow them. But my damn Chuck wouldn't start, he said furiously, of all the times, and I just had it in the shop. So I told Marstate to go instead. Wasn't that Lassiter told the boss he was going to pick them up at the sheriff's department and follow them. But they didn't show up in time. He figured it would take for them to get there. So he backtracked and found Manette's truck on the side of the road. El Jefe wiped his face with a spotless white handkerchief. My daughter, in the hands of that barbarian, you know what will be done to her. He raged. They did. They were silent. It was a failing that struck them to the bone. We must get to back. We must do something. He raged again. The front door opened. A tall man walked in. He had long hair down to his waist. Black as night. Silky and thick. He approached El Jefe without a second's hesitation. I need to borrow a few things, he said. Muffled groans accompanied the entrance of two men who looked as if they'd been dragged behind a pickup truck from a... He overpowered us. One of them, I will shoot you. The other one threatening came close. Tudor fell into a balanced lizard stand. Be my guest. Enough. Oh, heavy commanded. He waved his bruised men away. He turned back to the intruder who straightened up, oblivious to the angry men nearby. Oh, heavy gave him. What the hell are you? Buy a few things. My daughter has just been kidnapped. The newcomer held up here. Turn the page. I've read that one. He said, I know where she is. I need a helicopter, a good radio, a few hand grenades, and ham. He pointed to the man standing beside El Jefe. Hey. El Jefe stared at the stoky, impassive man beside him. Hey. What for? Costa pursed his lips. He's going to sell you out to El Rondo. El Rondo has my daughter. He does not need me. Wait, I have a plan, just listen. Oh, if he groaned. His distress was evident. Lassiter's black eyes. I'd hear I'd hear him out if I were you. He advised. Carson's not wrong. Do I know you? That's the trick. No. <laughs> but I know about you. Word is, he told, that you were assigned to take care of a man who tortured a female journalist with Amelia Marcanato, retook Barrier in South America. You have the mercenary named Rook. Dispose of him, I believe. I might have. Carson replied coolly. And Hefe prompt Nasty carries. I believe they found him later disputed among at least three crocodiles. Carson's expression injured. Poor crocodiles were starving and coming. I felt sorry for them. Hefe smiled. In that case, he said, it will be my pleasure to put my finest helicopter in your hands, complete with pilot. Carson's mama. Thank you. Just save my daughter. He replied, please. I'll do my best, Carson assured him. There's a little trouble at the border. DEA agent Rodrigo Ramirez, along with senior FBI agent Karen Grier, were arguing with a border patrol agent who was determined not to let them through. The checkpoint that led across the border was Villa Monteria, the state where Colorado was the capital. Listen, Ramirez said, moving stuff. This is official government business. There's been a kidnapping. No surprise there. Colorado is famous for harboring captured Americans for ransom. We need to get through to speak to the mayor. Board is closed. Sorry. The man smiled coldly. They didn't to do anything about it. They moved away, she said. Hardball? Cry right from here. Definitely hardball. He pulled out his cell phone. Started making calls. I fit a fourth one. Ramirez walked back to the border agent. Needed him to telephone. 
What do you want me to do with that? Speak to the person on the other end of the line. Ramirez replied. The border agent put the phone to his ear. He gasped. Look at Ramirez. Went past. Oh, yes, sir. He said, yes, definitely. Yes, I am sorry. I did not realize. No, no, sir. Of course. I will do it immediately. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Congratulations on your great picture. Yes, sir. At once. He closed the phone. And it back to Ramirez. He was very pale. You may go at once to yours, and many apologies for this delay. If I may be out of any service, he added hopefully. Ramirez. If I may be of any service, he added hopefully. Ramirez looked as if he might suggest something. Patently off-color, Grive bumped shoulders with him. Don't rock the boat. He buys under his breath. Ramirez gave him a harsh Spool, sport. They got back into the bureau car, the bureau car that Grier had taken for the trip, and passed across the border into Villa Monterio, where the Mexican border guards stood at attention and saluted. Pepito was getting nervous. He was also hungry. He went in the kitchen to fix himself a sandwich. There was no fresh bread. He missed his wife's tortillas, so lovingly filled with good fresh beef and fine European cheese, not to mention imported coffee that he was given as part of his perks for the work he did. Those things were a luxury, but he had become used to having them with his new job. It would be difficult to go back to the old days of planting crops that were always the mercy of the weather to carving out a tiny living on the land which never fed the empty bellies of his growing children. There was, of course, the horrible job he had to witness and sometimes help with, like what was going on to be done, what was going to be done to that brave little American woman in the next room, turned him inside out to see such tortures as his boss inflicted for betrayal. Just recently, several men who opposed his authority in Colorado had been mercilessly tortured and hung on the side of the road. He wanted everyone to know that he, and not El Jefe's bunch, held power here. Not two days later, a third smaller cartel had performed a similar act by beheading four men who belonged to El Lorendo's camp. It never seemed to end. Somewhere in the mix was El Jefe on the sidelines, watching. Pepito was certain that he, that he El Jefe, would wait until one faction or the other was vicious. Then, while the victors were weakened by the cost of the victory, El Jefe would strike and take over the state as a way of drug politics. Pito took him, told himself that he would not mind working for El Jefe. At least the man was religious and provided a chapel and a priest for his workers. He wandered back into the living room where the sheriff and the woman were speaking in whispers. He stopped talking when he approached. And that searcher says, Pepito, excuse me. May I call you that? She added respectfully. Pepito had been called many things in his young life, but it was touching to be addressed with such care by a woman like that, who had wealth and power in her. Yes, of course, he stammered. Pepito, I've been here for many hours, and I need to. I have to. He broke up and arrived seemingly first. Is there a bathroom? He looked daunted. Senorita, this is a poor place. We have no, how do you say, indoor plumbing here. Only the finest families in Cotorito have bathrooms. She hesitated. She didn't look this. That's how you say in English. An outhouse, he said finally. Could I? She indicated her tight hands. He hesitated. Surely she wouldn't, wouldn't try to escape. She was thin and slender and worn down by her captor. They would kill him if she got away, but she had to go to the bathroom. Such was obvious. They might kill him if she soiled herself and was not presentable when the men came to him. Well, to kill her. I can't wait much longer. I'm so sorry, she said. Please. He could never resist a woman's please. Of course. He said after a minute he had the heavy AK-47 across the table and helped her stand. Come with me, senorita. 
Ace felt his heart jump as the gun was placed almost within reach of his hand. If only he could get them free, even for a few seconds. But while he was tormenting himself with possibilities, Pepito casually picked up the rifle and escorted Manette out the door. That made it worse, because Haynes couldn't see what was going on. What if that little worm decided that he wanted Manette before his boss got back? What if he swallowed hard? He was completely helpless. No cell phone, no gun, no knife, nothing to get him out of this damn predicament. He cursed his own idiocy for letting him be kidnapped in the first place. But there was nothing he could do about their situation. He was going to have to sit here and watch Manette die, unless he could come up with a plan, something, anything, that would get him free of these, his bounds. While Haynes tormented himself, Manette walked toward the outhouse, her posture slumped, her head down. She stopped at a rude, tall, narrow shake, shack, which smelled of terrible things. She saw white powder under it in the back and realized that quicklime was used as a sanitation measure to control the odor and break down the byproducts of human elimination. She shivered a little del delicately as she noticed the quicklime was also used to help bodies decompose faster. There were two bags of it. Leaning up against the house. For her and Haynes afterwards, she wondered. She swallowed for fear. She paused at the door and looked at people. I can't, well, I can't do what I have to do with my hands. Stop. Senorita, I cannot release you, Pepita said. I am most sorry, but if you were managed to escape, my wife and children will surely die. I understand. She sighed. She opened the door with her hands bound, pulled it close behind her, grimacing as she prayed that rattlesnakes hadn't dinned up under the structure. It was almost winter, she reminded herself, and cold. Even in November, northern Mexico, surely snakes would be hibernating. She had to go. She maneuvered her jeans down enough to allow her to use the foul-smelling toilet. She was going to die. She knew it. Haynes was bound. There was no way to free him. He would die, too. No, there had to be a way, something she could do, a way to save herself. She looked around desperately. There was a magazine with explicit photos of women crumbled and lying on the ground. There was incredibly enough toilet tissue on a roll dispenser. The dispenser was made of gold. Now jewels bedded in it. She had to force herself not to laugh at the irony of the valuable item in a place like this. But then she noticed that some of the jewels looked like diamonds. You must hurry, senorita, Pepito urged her. They will return soon. You must not be seen missing from the house. I'm almost through, she called back. She fumbled the toilet tissue out of the holder. She took, turned the cylinder in her hands and began rubbing against the nylon cord with which she was bound. Thank God it wasn't the handcuffs Haynes was wearing, or this would never have worked. She moved the cylinder feverishly, delighted when she saw it quickly fray the nylon. Those stones were real diamonds, and they would cut through anything. She only needed to get one hand free. There, she was free. She had to use the... Both hands now, Pepito was young and strong, but she had the element of surprise on her side, and she was trained in martial arts. She was an expert, but she knew enough to, hopefully, get the advantage of an unsuspected opponent. She felt a brief sorrow for his family, but Haynes was her first, was her first, her only concern. She had to save Haynes, and she was going to. She went out the scenario, went over the scenario in her mind, how she would approach him. What she would do. Her heart raced like mad. Her breathing was so quick she felt as if she was smothering. Her mouth was dry. Her hands clammy. She pulled up her knees. Senorita, just another minute, please. I can't help it. Something I ate? She pleaded. Oh, I see. Okay, but hurry. I will. She gripped the jewel till it rolled hold her in her hand. Through the gaping crack in the door, she saw Pepito staring toward the horizon. Okay, girl, she tore herself. Now or never, she threw open the door so hard that it knocked Pepito down. Gasping, grasping her advantage, she jumped over him, retrieved the AK-47, and held it on. 
Get up! She said a tone that threatened death. Senorita, please do not kill me. My family. You should have thought of your family before you got into this damn rocket. She raged at him. Dark eyes blazing with anger and indignation. Get going! She gestured toward the house with the barrel again. Now! She demanded. She probed his back with the barrel, but took care to stay far enough behind that he couldn't turn suddenly and disarm her. In a struggle, he might win. She only had the advantage while she held the rifle. Unfasten his cuffs, she directed Peter. But, Senorita, I do not have the key. He actually hands was up. I don't damn well believe it. He went, Manette. She backed away from Pepito. Desperation drives us in odd ways, she said. Pepito, I want you to lie down on your stomach with your hands behind you. Over there. They will kill my family, he went. I will kill you if you don't do what I tell you to. Manette was like, do it. See, he grow very well. With an audible sigh, spread out on the floor. With hands behind him, Manette searched for something that would do the job. She found a piece of discarded duct tape which had been used to gag her. She twisted it into a long string, knelt over Pepito, who hadn't moved, quickly tied his thumbs together. It was a neat and simple, but effective way of binding a prisoner. How the hell did he learn that? He asked with admiration. I interviewed this Merc, she explained. God, how do we get you loose before they get back? She explained. And then Dad's and Porsche took the K with them. These are the best cuffs money could buy. I ought to know. I paid for them. Maybe a hairpin, she muttered, looking around. I've never picked the lock in my life. Just get on. Just get me on my feet, he said. Leave the cuffs for now. We have to get out of here before his crazy boss comes back. I agree. She took the jeweled toilet roll holder from her pocket. Went to work on the nylon cord. that bound hands his wrist on his feet. What the hell is that? He explained. Vanity, she explained to manuscript. It brings us all down in the end. <laughs> she finished cutting the cord. Haines stood up and almost fell over. Sorry, he said. I'm a bit unsteady. Not to worry, Gramps. Lean on me, she teased. We have to get going. I know. Senorita, my family. My poor family. Pito was crying over me. They will kill me. My Lito will torture my wife and my babies. Lito? The man who was here. With a gold-plated weapon, Pepito said miserably. Dito is the enforcer Pedro Menendez and his cousin Charo, who is made of carrito. He took took it a shaky man. Dito likes to do bad things to women. Menendez looked at Haynes and grimaced. Go ahead, he said, but give me that AK first. I can manage it with the cups, I think. And he did. He had it with some difficulty while Menendez got Pepito on her feet. I'm not untying you, she told him. And if you make trouble or try to betray us, I'll shoot you, deal? You said, deal about my family. Pepito, I can't storm an armed camp, she pointed out. I'm sorry. I can't save you. I can't save any more people today. I've hit my quota. He sat sad, leaning on her. Let's go quickly, Haynes said. Provisions, Pepito said. We must have food and water. She muttered a curse, but he was right. They were miles from civilization, and they have to keep up their strength. Even in cold water, the desert was dry. She gathered up what she could find in the kitchen in a knapsack and threw it over her back. She grabbed a couple of blankets off the warm bed and draped them over Pepito's shoulders. Now let's go. Why, there's still time, she told them. They followed her cautiously out the door. She took the AK from Haynes because she could see the pain it was causing him to carry it. She hoped. He hadn't done irreparable damage to his shoulder on this unexpected and painful journey. She hoped she wouldn't cause more, but they had to escape. They only had one chance, and this was it. She looked at Pepito. I have to trust you. 
Which way to the border? He bit his lip. He was considering his options. Really, he had none. But he knew this country, and they did not. Chances were very good that if he didn't speak, they would wander around lost until his boss, who had an excellent tractor, hunted them down. Perhaps the boss would consider Pepito a victim and be forgiven. If we get caught, Manette said in safety, I swear my life and honor that you helped us escape. And I'll swear with her. He said it coldly. Pito ground to see. They will kill my wife and children. He said. If you survive this, you might still be able to save them. Manette said. He looked at her through tears. With what? He said. I have no money. No weapons. Nothing. Manette was thinking. Pepito. Do you know why they kidnapped me? Because they wanted the sheriff and you were with him. He said. No. It's the other way around. She looked at her. My father is a hefe. He laughed. It is a joke. No. It is not a joke. You heard the boss say he was going to videotape himself killing me and send it to my father. My father is his worst enemy. El Jefe. Pepo. Pepito would have crossed himself. Had his hands El Jefe could save my wife if he would. Even. In your children, she agreed, nodding. If you help save me, you could ask for any reward. Anything at all. Couldn't you? You seem to come to a decision all at once, you know. It is this way. Through here. Move quickly. It will not take the boss long to get here. He has a tracker who will find us if we are still in the area. Stop talking and start walking. Hates the bot. Get advice. Take it. But that second it. They walked for a long time through scrubbery, undergrowth, and across dry stream beds. They walked into the mountains and around for what seemed hours. Haynes was weakened by the ordeal he was shivering to. How much further is it? Manette asked anxiously. It is very fast, and he read your blood. Miles and miles, and we cannot get there in one day. Not with the sheriff. He's so weak. She groaned. When she looked at Haynes, she knew Pepito was right. Of course, he could also be lying, buying time for his boss to them. Is it really such a long way? Manette asked the short man. It didn't take us very long to get here in the SUV. Yes, it did, he said. I'd say we're more than 30 miles from the border. Oh, dear God, Manette burst out. It will take forever to walk that far. We don't have a choice, unless we can steal a car, <laughs> he said back to see you Good luck finding one in the desert, too. She growled out loud. Haynes might not make it that far. He was already moving like an invalid. The trip and the rough physical treatment might have caused him even more problems that weren't visible. He stopped in the shelter of an overhanging rock. Could we risk a fire? Benito asked Pepito, because Haynes looked bad. Yes, but we make one that has little smoke, he replied. But I cannot gather wood like this. Manette hesitated. She didn't trust him not to run away and leave them. He stared back at her, holding out his hands. If you betray me, she promised me, my father will hunt you down. She thought, I know that, senorita. You must trust me. She looked at Haynes, but he's sitting on the ground, his back to the rock, so exhausted he can barely move. All right. Give me your word you won't run. I give you my most solemn promise, Pepito told her. She drew a long breath and finally used the jeweled toilet roll holder to cut away the duct tape to use the binding hand. I will return shortly. I give you my word, he answered. Your father, you are certain he will help me. I am absolutely certain, she replied. Please hurry, she said, glancing warningly at him. I will be quick. We wa he walked away in the darkness. Manette sat down beside Haynes and put her arms around him, holding him close, warming him with her body. It'll be all right. She was. We got. We got away. We'll make it to the border. I swear we will. He sighed and slid his good arm around her. You are the stuff of legends, lady. He chuckled softly. I had this wonderful inspiration. A sheriff who was afraid of nothing and walked right into gunfire. She whispered. He brushed his lips against her. Thanks. I feel all better now. Hurts my pride that you had to save us. I wanted to save you. Next time, she promised. Here, lie down. She coaxed him onto the hard ground and circled and curled into his body as close as she could get to warm him with her own body. 
Miss Rayner, what do you have in mind? <laughs> you remember that I'm not that kind of man. Oh, yes, you are. She chuckled and despite the ordeal of the past few hours of danger, she was happier than she's ever been in her life. Kelter, I guess I am. After all, he mused. His good hands slid into the back of her jeans, down, curving around him. Soft, he could tell, because the cuffs were still on and it pulled the sore muscles in his injured jaw. Crackers and milk, he muttered as he drew his hand back. Isn't this easier, she whispered, sliding it into the front of her blouse. This way, you won't pull the muscles in your... Oh, my gosh, she gasped when he bent his head, worked his way under the blouse, onto her soft breast. His mouth worked on the hard nipple chain, its intersection that lifted her off the ground. She moaned as his mouth moved up to her lips, and he rolled onto her, nudging her long legs apart. They strained together in an agony of need, blind, deaf, dumb to the trunk. Oh, God, I can't. Damn this shoulder, he groaned when he realized that what he was trying to do was impossible while he was wearing handcuffs. Manette clung to him, starting to break. Once she fought down a hunger that threatened it onto him. Later, she promised, I'll get those cuffs off you and have to sh if I have to shoot them off. Then I'll ravish you, she whispered huskily, pushing her mouth up to his Manette, he groaned. Sorry, she managed to Really sorry. Depraved virginality, she whispered. Got the best of me. Depraved virginality, he burst out laughing. He rolled on to the side, whips it, looked into her eyes. That's a, con that's a condition I would very much like to remedy for you. But you really? But only if you marry me. He continued his lips. After all, I'm a public figure. I have my reputation to consider. I have to set an example. She wiggled both eyes. Okay, how soon can we get married? If I bribe a public official. You're a sheriff. Can't do that, she replied. Damn. Well, we'll get a license to get married at the end of the week. How about that? She said, I'll kiss him. That's assuming that we last till then. Long noise in the distance caught their attention. It was followed by a second. It sounded oddly like explosions. That was when Nat realized that their prisoner hadn't returned with any firewood. He had found some way to alert the others to his presence. Did he have hidden... Did he have hidden fireworks with him? Perhaps some way to signal his boss that the men who worked to do away with the prisoners? Did you hear those explosions? Pepito, she groaned. He sold us out. That didn't sound like gunfire. It sounded like a grenade going off. Maybe more than one. Maybe Petito had one that we didn't know about. I bet he's just signaled his boss, Manette said. So much for expecting him to keep his word. He'll lead his boss back here. Haynes indicated the gate castle. So we make a stand, he said, and pray for reinforcements. She searches out, she nods. A last stand. Together, he smiled very slowly. That's my girl, he said huskily. Night was closing in fast. It was cold. Manette huddled together with Haynes, because it was stupid to wander off in the night in the desert where anything could be waiting. They knew that the United States lay to the northeast if they could find a consolation. They recognized it might help them navigate. I never studied astronomy, Hanks groaned when she suggested it. Neither did I, she replied. Back to the drawing board. Moscow's on the northern side of trees, she said. Good luck finding it in the dark. In fact, good luck finding a tree. There are hardly anywhere we are. You know, I took the long expanse to the rise and barely dotted with an occasional mesquite tree. She nodded this petition. They were freezing. She wrapped blankets around them, opened their last bottle of water. They had to drink sparingly. There was little beef. They ate some of it as well. Every minute, they expected armed company to show up and surround them. So far, there was no indication of people coming after them. 
I'm sorry I trusted Pepito, she told Ains. In essence, they were trapped. They couldn't go anywhere because they didn't know where they were. They had a rifle and a few bullets. Pepito's boss had a small army and the arms to go with it. Against that might, two lone people, one of them injured, had little hope. <laughs> I trusted them too, Ains reminded. What else can we do? I thought he might wait to see your father before he sold us out. I guess that was wishful thinking. <laughs> she hugged him gently. Thanks, and what do we do now? I suppose we try to get a little sleep and then start walking. With luck, we might find a way, find a better hiding place. Someone in law enforcement who could help us. Okay, she said, scrolled up against him along. I wish we'd be, we'd never gone to your office. <laughs> he smiled closer. Me too. I'm really worried about that computer tech he had. Eb Scott won't take that line down. He'll send men out to find him, and he won't be gentle with his abductors. I hope he finds him. Well, I do too, as long as he turns them over to me for prosecution. He <laughs> said grimly, that's my share, she said as she closed her eyes to end of chapter 13.